Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Luke and Pete Show. I'm Pete Donaldson. I'm joined by Luke Moore. Luke, how are you, mate? Yo, I'm all right. Pretty good. Doing okay. <laughs> Feeling great. Feeling, Feeling good. smooth. How are you? Is that an Outcast song? Feeling good. Feeling great. How are you? Don't know, but I, I am might be sure. Ghetto music. I'm ghetto music. That one. I'm fairly sure that you are getting to smashy and nicey levels of encore. <laughs> Not wrong, Outcast. A lot of fun. Um, how you doing, Peter? What's going on? I'm all right. You're wearing a very um, a snazzy was, cardigan, if you don't mind me I saying. I was, I bought this in Japan from Uniqlo. I went halfway around the world to go to Uniqlo. Okay. Or Uniqlo, as they call it out there. Um, um, Luke, I was thinking about, um, you were talking about like um, parental uh, situations. And I remember being at school, I was talking to somebody last night. They were talking about um, milk at school. Yeah. You know when you used to get like cartons of milk and you used to pay, pay your subs and uh, and used to get like a carton of milk every morning, and there was yep. like a milk monitor and stuff like that. This is how, right? You'd see, you know, you'd sort of take the piss out of me, you know, lefty liberal nonsense. This is how poor we were back in the day. I found fifty p in the street, and I was able to have milk at school for a whole week. Um, my mum and dad could never afford for me to have milk at school. That's yeah. how poor I was. Um, and I and I went and I said, "Can I have a week's worth of milk, please?" Because um, I found 50 pence in the street. Right, you and, stole and it. I had, well, it was on the floor. Should have, held, should have handed it in. 50 pence were huge back then. Exactly. It was like I filled my whole palm. How has anyone dropped that? I went in, but I went in that's and cr- went... That's caused a crater in the asphalt. I went, <laughs> went in and went, uh, can, I, can, I have, um, can I have a whole week's worth of milk? And, okay. I, was like, and I felt like one of the kids. Let's, let's extrapolate this. I mean, it's a terrible story. I'm sorry to hear about your your. your you your, forget your how kind of... Um, Poverty, how, how sort of, and it, it's not extreme poverty, obviously, and it's fine, and I'm fine, and everything was fine. And, you know, mum and dad just doing the best they could. You forget how kind of um, poverty takes you out of a group. You know what I mean? Like kids who don't have the latest trainers, kids who Is that still can't a thing afford messy. Yeah, massive. Is it? Kids it's will find a the fucking way. It'll be, now it'll yeah, be but like, that's the point though, isn't it? Now you... it'll be like Fortnite skins. It'll be like fucking, I can't afford the latest clothes for my video game character. This, that's what it'll be. Now. Yeah, but I, I, but you you said something there, which which is almost in a way my point mm. is that kids will find any way to tease someone else, mm. whether it to be do with you know poverty. Kids are terrible. Like I remember, they're awful. A friend of mine, you won't name for, for obvious reasons. His he's he's got a um a quite a young brother, mm. and um and their and their father passed away, mm. and the kid 
was being ripped at school for for, for his dad being dead. Basically, the kids will do kids kids can will go to not all of them, of course, and of course you know they're too young really sort of to know what they're doing. Mm. But kids will go to any length to tease another <laughs> kid. I mean, it not what I'm saying is it's not just based on poverty, right? No, it isn't. But it it gives it. Uh, you forget that well, that effect kind of take because because you're in school, you think everything's fine because you've got an education, you think everything's fine. Yeah, um, poverty does kind of ghettoise you somewhat. I understand what you mean. Um, in the classroom, I'm not. I'm not. This isn't a sob story. It was just. It just reminded me last night. Um, of uh, uh, we must have been quite not not that well off uh, back in the day. How big would that find have to have been mm. before you thought Jesus it's just too much I better hand this in um, definitely in the, into the pounds I reckon because I, I found a 20 pound note as a, about a 13 year old I would think that they were sort of registered with the government or something 20 yeah. pound notes I would well, think that's that I wouldn't be able to use it so the thing is when I found it mm. I obviously told my I think I might have actually been with my mum at the time mm. and I think she said oh, or, or later on I told her and she said what do you want to do with it mm. and I said oh, I think we should probably hand it into the police station mm. And she was really and proud she, of me. She's really proud of you, but also going, well, th- well, yeah, possibly. In but, the back of her head, she's going, but she was really proud of me, but basically it's because I was scared. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like, you said but, the, the power of like having that in your hand. But going, what, the, what the police officer did is he took it in, wrote a receipt for me, mm. and said, if no one claims it in six months, you can have it. Mm. And I think I might have gone back and got it. <laughs> he fucking did. Brilliant. Yeah, but I don't think it was claimed. Yeah, but six months. Wait, some, six months. It was some that? high roller. He didn't even notice it was gone. It was like Frank. Some, it was some, me. Some it was basically fr- me just dropping it in the street. Oh, come on. Some, fr- some Frank Butcher type character. <laughs> peeling big, it off his roll. What's the biggest um what's the biggest piece of uh what's the biggest cash money that you would drop without actually picking up? I don't really carry change around with me. Twenty uh, P. I could I'd happily drop a twenty. I sort of pick it up because I think uh, a couple of reasons. One littering. is just littering. Yeah, and two purely because I think I, I come from a background. I'm, you know, I'm not going to get into a sort of poverty battle with you, mm. but we, I come from a. a You're not going to fucking win. That's why. <laughs> yeah, because I lose and I hate losing. No, but I come from a work class background. You know, we we have a similar situation, and so I do have this. I do have a sort of respect for not being frivolous with it. I'm sort of conscious. Mm. I way, spent, but then again, I I spend money like fucking water. I have respect for money, but I don't want it in my account. <laughs> I don't think you have got respect for it. I think I have. I, I think my my situation. Well, is, I respect it. Why respect it, Luke? Why must you respect money? But my situation is that I feel like I remember well what it was like to have no money. Yeah. And so even if I've got a little bit of money, which I have now, relatively speaking, I um, I don't respect it as much as I could. Or that's my fear because I feel like, oh, well, I've had it, no money before. I can have no money again. Mm. But that's all wrapped up with a sense of guilt. That there are other people out there who are much more worse off than me. Mm. So I always try and give to charitable causes and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's a bit of a bit of a working class or psychological minefield, really. Mm. Whereas I think you don't properly feel like you own the money enough, and that's why you spend it on ridiculous things and give it away too much, which you do. Well, I remember being on a night out once with you, uh, and you gave me a hundred euros so I didn't have to walk to the cash point. And the next day it's you would, on, yeah, the next day you wouldn't take it back. <laughs> I had to force you to take the money back. Yeah, and it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, I, I think I think money. And I think um, asking friends for money. I think it's just so fucking gauche. That's the one thing. The only advice my nan ever gave us was like, never lend your friend money. Never lend your friends money. But like, obviously, that's a very different situation if it's, we're on a night out or whatever. But like, I think she'd clearly been burned before, where she couldn't get some money. Sure. My nan was a bit of a. <laughs> my nan was a naughty. Never friend, lend your friends money because I lent someone money in 1942 I... and I never got it back. <laughs> what, and I'm a C. What about now? In 2018, the 36 year old Pete Donaldson. Yeah. I know there are CCTV cameras everywhere and all that other crap, but say you're walking across Highbury Fields mm. in a minute, 
what's what's the largest amount of money you would see there and keep? Oh, like just on the floor, like a bundle. Like it would have yeah. to be a bundle of cash, wouldn't it? Yeah. If it was a grand, you're handing that in, aren't you? Aren't you? Yeah, I, I think I'd probably hand all of it, anything in. Yeah, I, I, you wouldn't hand it. You wouldn't hand in. I wouldn't bother handing fifty quid because if it's just blown across a heath, you're just like, well. Eh. It's got to be worth the admin of me actually going and handing it in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I'm terrible at admin at the best of times. I'd, I'd sort of, basically, it would be on my, it would be in my kitchen on the side and I'd be looking at it for the rest of my life. I'd be going, oh, that's I need too hand, Chinese. I need hand that in. That's two Sunday night Chinese. <laughs> Sunday that's one. That's one it. Chinese. The amount I fucking spend on Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> that's Go a good subject fancy. of people to email in. Hello at LukeandPeteShow.com. The, the most amount of money you've found, mm. stumbled across, mm. and in theory, the most amount of money you would keep or hand in and give reasons. Give <laughs> yes. Do give reasons. I, I think um, if I saw... This is the thing. It's almost like a set a plot mm. to a movie, isn't it? If, if you... There's James Horncastle speaking about him again. Were we speaking about him today or the other day? Uh, I can't remember. Day, yeah. yeah, where um, he's listening to a podcast about an art heist or something mm. at the moment. And uh, we were just talking about you know, art, art dealing and that kind of crap. And, and um, the thing I said to James, which I believe to be true, and people can pick me up on it if it's not, is that, you know, when you see like Edward Munch's The Scream, it's yeah. been stolen like four times or whatever, <laughs> yeah. and it gets returned. And I think there might be a couple of different versions of it and they get stolen. Mm. And it's, it's quite natural to instantly think, well, hang on a minute. What's the point of stealing that? You're never going to be able to sell it. Yeah. The moment you try and sell it, you, people are going to go, well, you fucking stole that yeah, yeah, yeah. to give it back. Uh, By the, the way, there's 10 years in jail. But apparently, the main reason that they're stolen is to do trade-offs between rival criminal gangs. Right. So they say, for example, I don't know if it's like a territory thing or a drugs thing or a, or a particular apology thing, but they say, here you go. Here's this. That we've oh, stolen this for you. Right, okay. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're used as like bargaining chips and smooth stuff. smooth over. Yeah. But why? If, there's, if there's, they have no inherent value, why are they used like I guess they just want chips? them, don't they? Really fancy bargaining chips. I guess they just want them. Yeah. So I, Have you ever been to the Monk uh, exhibition in Oslo? No, I haven't. But what I was just, just to finish that point, before it, otherwise it will sound like a big non sequitur. The point being that relevance to, the, to what we're talking about is mm. when it gets to a large amount of money, I mean, it's going to be noticed. And then, and then, and, and if it's a huge amount of money, the banknotes are going to be numbered and all that mm. kind of stuff. So you actually got no use for it anyway. <laughs> Carry on, Oslo. Uh, I've been to Oslo, but I've not been to that museum. We've both been to Oslo. We did. Oh, we have. Ambush, We're though, together. We? Yeah, you that got was... given some pickled herrings live on stage. I did. Yeah, they were nice, but they did make me stink of fish for the rest of the day. Business as usual. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a good. That was a good show. That we should do that again. Um, yes, um, I can't remember. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the um, monk uh, drawings are really kind of like erotic drawings. Right. I think it's Monk uh, or maybe Picasso. Either way, they were wanking when they drew him. Easily wanking when they drew him. You feel that about a lot of art, couldn't you? Yeah, no, but like just dirty, like really graphic drawings of vaginas and getting licked by a, a fish notably. It's either Picasso or Monk both drew a, a, a fish licking a woman's vagina and they're just really needlessly um, detailed and erotic. Um, Why is it needless though? It was just really, it was just a bit much. Honestly, if you'd seen it, you would have went, this is too much. A whole gallery of fish licking vaginas, etc., etc. Um, and it was, it was just clear that, you know, before telly, everyone's having a Tommy Tank <laughs> while painting. We're all... Ex- <laughs> no, you, I think you're supposed to call that a muse. <laughs> I remember writing some erotic fiction when I was a teenager, just to, you know, create your own pornography. 
Mm. And then you read it back and go, mm, that's good, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. There might be a popular podcast about it. <laughs> Although I believe your story there is actually true. Yeah. Um, yeah, good. All right. Well, um, why don't we, what should we do now, Pete? Should we go and do, do a break and then come, come back, back and do some emails? Yeah, all right. All right. Let's do that. Um, what have I got here? I've got so much weird stuff in this bloody nonsense. Um, let's click. I've removed so much stuff. It's going to be this one. You're an embarrassment. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. She's going to report me for saying bugger, you know. Oh, just wait till I see your mother. You're in real trouble. Oh, I say, well, if you're going to go and see her, then tell her this bugger-shaped function, fucking sphincter. Tell her yourself. You see her every day. Yeah. Massive Brian Blessed. <laughs> he is massive. If you if you were Brian Blessed and you had such a big voice, I mean, you, you would have had a massive voice and you would have been tall and big um, even when you were, like, 18. You must have thought, no one can tell me what to do because I'm Brian fucking Blessed. If you were as talented as him... Mm. Would you? What would you do for your your um your um professional time? Would you do voiceovers? Would you do theatre acting, wrestling? This is the problem. See, it's wasted <laughs> on you, isn't it? It's wasted on you. Talent is wasted on me. It's, youth is wasted on the young. Talent <laughs> is wasted on the Donaldson, on the Donny. Uh, I I think because you know there's a really there's quite a funny bit in um extras. Good show, mm. I think. Underrated, yeah, I underrated. First season, definitely. Um, where he says, um, "Get me a theatre, get me a theatre part." I can do theatre, then everyone, because mm. all the actors say, oh yeah, that's their first love, and they lie about it to get more reputation, do theatre. Mm. So I'll definitely do a bit of that. Um, but when you, when you want to be an actor, you want to do voiceovers, you've done that already. It probably, but you think it would probably be, yeah, I think I'd get a lot out of acting, but I, whenever I've tried it, it's, I've just embarrassed myself. It's actually oh, quite hard. hard. Yeah, it's it's hard. actually really hard. And the actors, and some really good actors you sort of meet in sort of certainly interview, um, they're actually quite, the, the, the best actors are invariably quite dull. There's very few charismatic, genuinely charismatic actors. They're, they're all very polished and they're all very Hollywood and stuff. You must have best, interviewed a couple where you thought, oh, they're, they're, they're fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but they tend know. to be the film stars rather than the actors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Chris Pratt. You know, you, yeah. sort of got, you, 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 you know, you, you know what you're going to get with him. But like uh, Jennifer Lawrence and people like that, you sort of go, oh, well, fair dues. But then 
the the best actors are, are invariably rather dull. Yeah, I, th- I think that probably comes from the idea of spending all your time pretending to be other people. But mm. I, th- I think the difference between this is a broad definition, but the difference between a film star and an actor is I think very that, different. Yeah, a, yeah a film stars probably like Chris Pratt, Will Smith, mm. those type of people. They're probably being extended or exaggerated versions of themselves. Yeah. Whereas an actor, like someone like Daniel Day Lewis, he's completely in, you know, inhabiting a, a, yeah. a, another human being. Mm. Right? So it's a completely different thing, and you can see why he would be a bit more reclusive, a bit more insular, mm. a bit more introverted. That definitely makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I completely. Clive agree Owen you. didn't really get on with it. He, he had nothing, but he's a good actor. Yeah. Is but, he a good actor? Yeah, he's, he's decent. Good. Yeah, he's decent. He's up there. Shoot him up. He was in the film Shoot him up. I've never watched. I haven't. I but can't I always believe, thought I can't that. believe that's a film. <laughs> it was like a kind of bullet hell, kind of Max Payne, kind of um, kind of slow motion, right? Film uh, in the uh, late noughties, I believe, uh, early teens. And, I remember uh, it. I just yeah. can't remember Shoot that him. commission Shoot to, be called, him up. to be called that. Shoot him up. It's one of those things that when I I hear from people who. Yeah, you know, are closer to that world than me, which is basically everyone. Mm. Um, oh, you know, you know how hard it is to get a film commissioned. Well, there's one called Shoot 'Em Up. Which <laughs> film commissioned. So it can't be that fucking hard. By the way, about five thousand of them are made every year. So it's probably that out. your film isn't good enough. Well, you say that, but if you, I was listening to an interview with um, Bob Mortimer, who's the Adam uh, Buxton podcast, and he was. How many other podcasts do you listen to? Um... How many other men do you see? <laughs> it's outrageous, Peter. Um, and well, just I think when you see when there's an opportunity to hear an hour of Bob Mortimer talking, you kind of take have it. To, yeah. he's, a, he's a national treasure. Um, actually, very camp in 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 when he's just talking about himself. I, I didn't realise he was yeah. that guy. Like he's got a very sort of um, sort of um, actually quite sort of la- like ladylike voice. Yeah. Very soft and there's very no rough edges there. Did you watch that show he did with Paul Whitehouse? I've still not seen it. Uh, Mark, who does wrestle me, is uh, ghostwriting the book. It in the future, it's, I saw one episode. that was excellent, really mm. gentle, fun yeah. stuff. Yeah, with people who are genuinely funny and interesting, yeah. not like us. Yeah, f- well, no, it's not just that, Pete. I mean, maybe, maybe people would fucking put us in their category. I don't know. I hope not, but if they do, that's up to them. But to me, and I, I'm making the same. Maybe it sound like a grumpy old man, mm. and we will do some emails in a minute. I promise. Um, <laughs> is that the people who go on these panel shows and are comedians in quotes and essentially look like they've come in a weird way? Do you know what it reminds me of? Like those career politicians, mm. they've come out fully formed mm. at about 35. They're really well um, turned out. The politicians, I mean, really well mm. turned out. They've done jobs, researching at some cabinet office, mm. worked their way through, and now they're an MP. Mm. It feels to me like the comedians, the young comedians now, it's like they come through, they do a few bits of stand up, they do the student unions, mm. and they do panel shows. And on, to me, they've got nothing to say. Compare that with like Paul Whitehouse and Bob Mortimer, who are obviously longer in the tooth, older. A, uh, to me, it feels like night and day. Yet they're both technically doing the same thing. No, nah, it's a generational thing, isn't it? You're sort of you, you probably don't consume as much stand-up as you used to, and also there's just a lot of it on the television. There's a lot more opportunities for stand-ups to get on the television to get a little bit of steam, um, and you know, sucking up my corporate work. I tell you what, yeah, who, but... who can't deliver a fucking joke? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the, the problem is these guys kind of explode and they get on the television and they don't have time to write enough material. Like you, you you explode, you get on these panel shows and then you don't have enough time to actually write your next bit of material because you're just constantly on the cycle of of, of being a TV presenter effectively and delivering other people's jokes for for cash. And it's um and it, it I, I, it's difficult, man. I, I don't know how you find 
Oh, you found the time to write your own stuff and, and keep your head a little bit. Fucking hell, I'll, I'll spare the fucking world's tiniest violin. Get a proper job. <laughs> yeah? Get a proper job. I, 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 what's your job? I've worked. I've worked. Safeways? Yeah, exactly. Bread boy. It was safe, Safeways. That's the last time you had a proper I job. I was also a milk boy for a bit. <laughs> give uh, me some milk, milk. I'll uh, give you 50 pence. I'll uh, give I'll give you 50 pence. Best one was car park booth. Sit out there, check people's receipts, listen to the radio. Jeez. That's all you do all day. Jesus. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine, Pete? What a loss it would be to the universe for a mind like mine to be doing that. <laughs> trolley boy. Trolley I was, boy? I was trolley boy for a bit as well. There we go. Yeah. There need, you go. Need big wide shoulders for that. Uh, Graham sent us an email. Hi, chaps. I have to uh, finally caught up with your excellent show. Thanks, Graham. Uh, just thought I would air my memories about the Weetabix skinheads, the Weeta Gang. They oh, yeah. Well, they called the Weeta Gang. The we didn't Weeta get to the gang. bottom yeah, of that, Yeah, the Weeta Gang. Uh, my brother once had a bag depicting the gang. He attaches a photo. It's just a shit sports bag with the Weeta Gang on it. Um, I, I actually remember those. I think you saved up the tokens on the back of the cereal box. Yeah. And you sent them away and you got a bag. You could, I think you could get like an alarm clock and <laughs> uh, a maybe a pencil case as well. Do you remember when you used to open a bank account as a child? You'd get like free gifts. You'd get like a NatWest pig. You'd get a NatWest pig. They're really valuable like now, picks. by the way. Are they? Yeah, if you've got the full set of those NatWest piggy banks, Ugh. I think you are in clover. That was like rich people's houses. Cause it, cause it was I like, never had that it, it was It was dependent on how much you actually saved. I was Yorkshire Bank. I think I got a little a little wallet. I think I was nationwide. Terrible. Um... Anyway, in the Weeta Gang bag, uh, my brother once smuggled our pet cat to school in it. Lord knows how the teachers didn't find it, <laughs> find out. And to this day, he insists the cat was in there all day. And if uh, my memory serves me right, there was also a video game involving the said Weeta Gang ridding alien attackers uh, from Earth, a straight-up Space Invaders rip-off. Uh, back in the day, really underwhelming um, British characters would get their own video games because the yes. Spectrum and the Commodore yes. were relatively easy to program well, for. Daily, Daily Thompson? Daily Tom- well, even well, Daley Thompson was still quite a big figure. Oh, he's massive, yeah. I'm, I was Peter joking. Beardsley's soccer and stuff like that. Beardo, you don't have a proper beardo. He was a massive player. Yeah, I know he's a massive player, but still, it was he was very. It was a. It wasn't a product that would go to Japan or America. No, but I remember. Or the, I remember the big. So my friend Jerry Ellis, who I've talked about on here, he writes books about eighties and nineties video games. Mm. Great guy. My just a great British eccentric. Mm. I was usher at his wedding. Uh, he worked at Capital for a bit. Mm. He. Um, he wrote a book recently, which I might have plugged at the time, called "The Book of the Game of the Film." Yeah, he did. Yeah, about you know, conversions into into games, and yeah, you know, I learned so much reading that book. So there was an Alf Weeders and Pet fucking video game. Yeah, there was a um, there was a short lived project of Ed Edmondson's called "How to Be a Complete, Complete Bastard." Yeah, one of my favorite games on the Amstrad. It was like basically <laughs> what did you do? it was a house party, and you would go around being a shit and farting. Right. And so you would just go around sort of drinking beer. How old were you when you played this? It was isometric. I was... Uh, no, it wasn't isometric. It was just... It, it had like a... T- there was two screens. And the, that sort of thing was big at the time. Spy versus Spy sort of thing. The two screens, top one, bottom one. Uh, and it just gave you two different views of the same I remember situation. Spy versus it was Spy, very, yeah. It was very confusing because you had to kind of like figure out which way you were going. And once you got in the headspace, you were fine. But you just would go around finding like pens in drawers at a house party and then just stabbing people <laughs> with them and stuff oh, yeah. and just being like absolute shit. Eat, like, put the cat in the in the fridge and, like and then eat lady. the cat. Yeah, just, yeah, like cat bin lady and just being a real shit. I can't even remember the Ed Edmondson um, kind of how to be a complete bastard project. I don't even know what it was, to be honest, but I certainly played the video game a lot. Well yeah. worth, if there's one game you sort of dig out from the past, forget your, like, Spectrum school days and Exelon and all those uh, weird kind of games. Championship manager. Championship manager, all that shit. Play it How to Be a Complete Bastard because it probably stands up. 
it probably stands. My, up my two favourites as a kid, I didn't have a, I didn't have a Spectrum. I had a, um, an Acorn Electron. Oh, schoolboy. And then I had a BBC. I Micron. like school so much. I want the school well, experience. Well, you know Because my uncle was a teacher and used to get get them cheap. <laughs> free these, yeah. Yeah, or free, yeah. I was probably probably was free. And my two big games were Exile and Elite. Yeah, Elite was a big BBC Micro program. Yeah, yeah, Exile was this mad game. It's, I was completely obsessed with it about this guy who was on this planet and he, he and uh, he was a space, you know, he was an astronaut or whatever, and he went to a different planet and the the bad guy stole his uh, engine for his ship and he had to go and find <laughs> it. But the game at the time in like the eight eighties, it felt massive. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's brilliant. It's quite hard to find conversions of the big titles onto the BBC. It rarely happened. Right. In the same way that they never converted them for the MSX, which is a, a Japanese version of... Uh... Can I ask a stupid question? Right. Was the BBC made by the BBC? No, I don't understand what they, what they licensed. I think they li- maybe licensed the name, maybe. Right. It seems strange that, be, that they would allow them just to be called a BBC. Or Big Beautiful Computer, as they were not. <laughs> big Booby Computer. Big Booby Computer. Yeah. I told you about the, the, the BBC Micros at school. Um, we had a rudimentary... Um, Ethernet sort of system or, or local intranet system. Exciting that! Uh, very exciting. Um, that was just school based, and if you pressed F eight on any computer in the school, Bob Hoskins would appear. I've talked about this before. <laughs> A digitized picture of Bob Hoskins and Roger Rabbit. And when he died, I was thinking, I can believe that was it. Such a big part of my, I was fascinated by this digitized picture of Bob Hoskins. Was well, Bob Hoskins dead? Oh, he passed away, yes. did he? I had I had something else. Yeah, he passed away like two years ago, didn't he? I had a different story. <laughs> the different story. Oh, I've just talked in Bob Monkhouse for some reason because of that. He's definitely dead. <laughs> yeah, he died a couple of years ago. It's quite sad, really. Yeah, mm. I'm, yeah, I'm sure you're right. Mm. And what were you, what were you saying? Oh yeah, did you ever play Granny's Garden? For Bob Hoskins, Granny's Garden. Yeah, that was a big, yeah. big Granny's Garden, Yellow Brick Road, yeah. Tea Shop, all I, that stuff. I'd love to hear from anyone. Hello at LukeandPeach dot com who completed the BBC game Exile. <laughs> because I know for a fact, I know for a fact, because I read it up in this book my mate wrote, that if you completed it, mm. it was so hard to complete and so few people did it that you got like picture a... Picture Bruce Springsteen. You got a, <laughs> Exile a picture of Bob Hoskins. Uh, no, <laughs> Exile on Main Street's Rolling Stones. Oh, sorry, Rolling Stones. Are yeah. <laughs> you still doing the absolute gig? <laughs> Don't really care. <laughs> you, you got a handwritten signed certificate from the developers posted to you. Ah, no, I'm not having that. I'm bro. telling you, it that's happened. Nonsense. That's nonsense. I'm that telling is you. apocryphal. That fucking happened. I'm nonsense. telling you. Nonsense. Everything that happened in the 80s is true. <laughs> uh, so do get in touch if, if, if you played it when you were a kid. Um, did we finish that last email? Or did we get um, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Thank you, Graham, for the uh, a little touch of the Weeter gang. What about this from Mark? Mm. Um, it's a monkey-related email, Pete. I'm having it. So I thought it it's might, in, straight in, with a bullet. Might tickle your fancy. Mm. Uh, Mark says, on one of your recent episodes, Pete told a story of some monkeys being dicks. <laughs> Could be anything. Could be it? anything, yeah. Um, this prompted some deeply repressed memories of my own concerning monkeys to come to the surface. Well, that's exactly what this show's all about, mm. right? I want you to listen. We want you to listen to it and go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Well, we, we get sent um, a lot of videos of like, because um, I sort of said that chimps and monkeys get a, f- a bad cop, um, a bad reputation for throwing shit. And they don't do it quite a lot on masturbating. So, like, so we get sent a lot of... Oh, videos I of it happening. Videos <laughs> yeah. happening. There's, one, there's one famous You're one like, where... Is, it, is that me? There's, <laughs> there's, one, there's one famous one where a chimp sort of like, like kind of jumping around and then he throws in one fell swoop, like an amazing little kind of like one move. The guy's, he's doing his shit and he pulls it out of his ass and throws it in one motion. Um, and it hits a granny on the nose and it makes like a witch's nose of, oh, of, I've chimp, seen it. of chimp shit. And I've she turns it. around and she is... 
confused and horrified. And instead of going, oh, my God, that's dreadful. Everyone's going, oh, it hit Granny in the face. Yeah, granny yeah. on the nose. When we do it, we get kicked out of the library. <laughs> um, I, was, I read in the newspaper just this morning, actually, about a, a monkey that was, went extinct mm. in 1920 on an island that they now think over the years evolved into basically to be more like a sloth than a monkey. What, in like a hundred years? No, 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 no. no. It, extinct, it was extinct a hundred years ago. They're studying its skeletons from, from thousands of years. Right. And they think it might need to be reclassified as a sloth. Ah. Because it, 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 complete, it evolved completely independently because it was on an island. Like the Hlima. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, um, so back to Mark. He says, in my younger days, I lived in Bangkok for several years. And on two separate occasions, I had encounters with the monkey mafia. Firstly, while on a school trip to a local zoo to see the wildlife, a monkey swung down off his branch and nicked my cap. Oh. Um, cheeky bastard then got to the top of the tree and simply chuckled it, uh, simply chucked it away, never to be seen again. <laughs> but to be fair, later in the day, another monkey, perhaps the same one, then proceeded to urinate on my friend, which somewhat made up for its earlier indiscretions. Um, <laughs> I love it. The thing about that, that type of thing is that the monkeys do seem to do that stuff just to take the piss. Yeah. But there's no point to it. Yeah, yeah, They're not going to do anything with that baseball cap. He just no. wants it. I, th- I think that we talked about what's the biggest amount of money you would give away um, or, 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 you know, report or whatever. What is the, there's, I don't think there's anything upwards of a MacBook Pro that I've got. That's probably my most valuable possession um, or a nice suit. There's nothing a monkey couldn't take from me that I wouldn't, if a monkey in a funny situation took my bed away, I'd find that fucking hilarious. I bet I could think of something you wouldn't like. What? Your innocence. <laughs> My cherry. <laughs> That's a little too late for that. Mark, uh, Mark goes on to say, secondly, while visiting a waterfall deep in the Thai jungle with my parents, I got a bit peckish and decided to buy a large, back, a large bag of Lay's barbecue crisps. Nice. Decent purchase. Mm. Having acquired these, I proceeded to walk around the waterfall and snack on them, but I didn't make it more than 50 metres from the vendor when about seven monkeys ran down the tree, surrounded me in a circle, making fairly menacing sounds. Being no more than around seven or eight, this was terrifying, Eventually, one of the monkeys snatched the crisps from me and they all ran off into the tree and laughed and taunt me while eating the crisps, <laughs> leaving a traumatised child to return to his family in tears. Um, love the show. Keep up the good work. Uh, Mark's, Mark, he says, my name's Mark. I'm a German. I live in New York. Writing on something that Pete would describe as a rig and Luke would describe as a piece of crap. Nice. Yeah. That reminds me of that scene in uh, Pil- Pilkinson when he goes overseas mm. and uh, tries to give the monkeys a monster much and they just completely nick his back and they're in his pockets and everything he's gutted but that's what they're like <laughs> he said, I told you Macaque stole a, a banana out of my back pocket yeah. when I was in uh, Malaysia and I was like how, how could I have known that they like bananas were you angry about that? <laughs> no it was, what, I had a banana in my back pocket Yeah, I didn't even used to eat fruit back then I don't even know why, what I was doing with it yeah. they were going you, you don't usually eat these Pete no. we're the monkeys we'll have this it's like walking we'll into a room this away. it's like walking into a room with you with a piece of Fairly new technology in my back pocket. It's going to go. It's going to be whipped and, and probably taken apart and assessed. And put Bob Hoskin on the screen. Uh, Jack has got in touch. Hello to the look and the Pete. Uh, I'm currently living in Thailand. Not a sex pest, an English teacher. You can be both, Jack. They're not mutually exclusive, are they? And I've uh, also noticed the ridiculous amount of plastic wrap on everything. Not only do the bananas have their own plastic sleeve, possibly to protect from monkeys, you never know. Yeah. Uh, apples are all wrapped in plastic netting. Plastic cups are wrapped in a little handle-type bag. And no matter what you purchase from a store, a plastic ga- bag will accompany said item. When insisting I don't need a bag as I brought my own, the store clerk looks at me as if I murdered someone in their store. Uh, also, I've tried that coffee coke thing while uh, hungover. There's a product in uh, the Far East and presumably South Asia as well uh, that's um, Coca-Cola with coffee. 
mixed in as well. Did you tell me about that last week? I think I told you a little while ago. Uh, Thinking a coffee in a cup would be a good fix uh, on a hangover, uh, so both in one will be perfect. It's fucking shite. It should be banned. Uh, There's many more stories from Thailand to share, so if you want more, do let me know. Please do that, Jack. Please yeah, get in touch with the that. products. The things you put to your lips in Thailand. I want to hear from it. Um, yeah, that sounds good. Hello at lukeandpeach.com. I mean, one of the worst email subjects I've put out there <laughs> what? is people with the longest commute. Yeah. And a guy did email in, I'll name him to give Perfect. him a shout out, called Sam, Yeah, telling us in great detail over a course of about five paragraphs about his three-hour commute. I'll be honest, it's my fault. I printed that out. I was going to read it. It was pretty well-written, as I seem to recall. But it's boring. Um, it is very boring. Yeah. So shout out to you, Sam. You're a master's student currently studying organized crime, terrorism, and security. That's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, three-hour commute round each way. Well, he was sort of saying that um, he doesn't drive for various reasons, and he's on my side, basically. That's probably why I printed it out. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you got to say. Being a bonnet. Well, uh, so, hi, guys. I thought I'd email in. A while ago, Pete said something I agreed with. <laughs> exactly. And then get, on to get, then get onto your email. Bang It'll on. definitely get in. Bang on. Right, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. We've got things to do. You've got things to do, no doubt. Uh, enjoy. If you're on your way to work, enjoy your day at work. If you're on your way home, um, enjoy your absence of work. Evening and in front if, of the computer. Evening in front of the computer, in front yeah. of your rig. Uh, and if you're just um, unemployed and you haven't listened to us in, 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 a, in your garden. Or if you're on the way to pick up maybe a new batch of thermal paste. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, bye. <laughs> Showthefuckramble.com is an email address for a different show. <laughs> Fuck off. Ha <laughs> ha. This was a Radio Staccano production. production.